God has gone to extraordinary lengths to have a relationship with you. And because of that, that gives us the capacity, it gives you the capacity to build incredible relationships with all the people around you. Hi, I'm Louis Giglio with Passion City Church, and I'm so excited to introduce you to Relatable, a six-week small group resource that's literally for everyone. Relationships are tricky, whether it's a husband and wife or whether it's a mom and dad trying to have a better relationship with a son or daughter, whether it's a son or daughter wanting to have a better relationship with mom or dad. might be some unresolved conflict from the past, or you may be in that single season of life and you just want to prepare yourself the person that God has planned for you. Well, I believe as we're able to receive what God is giving us and continue to do that, it's going to affect our ability to have meaningful and successful relationships with all the people in our lives. So I want to invite you to join me as we explore together how receiving God's love and embracing God's grace will unlock in us the ability to have a great relationship with God with our family, with our friends, and ultimately with ourselves. So I hope to see you in Relatable. Every one of us finds ourselves at war in our brains every single day. We bought this lie that we are a victim to our thoughts. We are at war. In the next six weeks, we're gonna look at the scriptures. You're gonna see again and again this truth that we have authority. We have a choice between chaos and quiet, between noise and solitude with God, between denial and healing. Next time you're stuck in a downward spiral of distraction, choose stillness. God knows that where we will find contentment is actually not thinking so much about ourselves. You are not helpless because God lives inside of you. He knows that we are not going to get all this right. He knows that we are not going to be perfectly holy and perfectly single-minded people all the time. Yet He died anyway. We choose to obey Him no matter how we feel. This is our mindset free. It's our upward spiral. We have a choice. We forget. The Bible doesn't call us victims. It calls us warriors. And we were built to fight the greatest battle in our generation, this battle of our minds.
there is a call. Some hear it like a distant thunder. Some hear it like a whisper in the ear. Some just feel it in their hearts. A deep sense of responsibility to country, to service, to something bigger than themselves. We honor those who are willing to do what so few have done because of their sacrifice and service. Our country is a light on the hill that cannot be put out. Though many have tried, those who stand and protect it are heroes, worthy of our respect and admiration, worthy of every minute of attention we give to pause and recognize the hope, the sacrifice, the honor of all who have served our country. We've got a reception for Pastor Isaiah and Tori, and it'll be over here in this parking lot. So. Um, Come back at 3, between 3 and 5, and then um, you should have received a copy of the 2021 budget proposal this morning. Um, and what I'm going to ask you to do, because I know you received it on the way in, is I'm going to ask you to not look at it during church. And so even, even if you go, but, but I want to. Um, just just put it to the side, put it under something, put it in the, the part of your Bible that you haven't looked at in 50 years kind of thing. Just hide it, and, um, and you check it out later. And then we'll be um, voting on that budget on the 22nd of November when we come back together for one service. Um, and that service will be the 22nd at 1030. So just so you know, we're going back to that regular time of 1030 on the 22nd. Let's pray, and uh, we'll begin worshiping together and lifting our voices in song to Him. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for this morning, for Your great love, for Your mercy, for Your patience toward us. Father, I pray that You will guide our time this morning, uh, that we hear what You want us to hear, um, that our hearts would be soft and our mind attuned to what You have for us. And God, we do thank you for who you are, that you are awesome, you are in control, that you are the one who is faithful and trustworthy at every turn. Father, that you use circumstances to draw us to yourself. So, Father, I pray even during this hour that you would draw us to you. Um, and out of that, you would be glorified. We pray these things in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand, wave to somebody around you, and let's worship. Let's just sing and celebrate this morning the faithfulness of God in every circumstance. We know we can trust in Him, lean in on Him, and He's always faithful to be there for us and to support us. can see the waters raging at my feet. I can feel the breath of those surrounding me. I can hear the sound of nations rising up. We will not be overtaken. We will not be overcome. I can walk down this dark and painful road. I can face every fear of the unknown yes and hear 
All God's children singing out, we will not be overtaken, we will not be overcome. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave, the same power that commands the dead to wake, lives in us, lives in us. The same power that moves mountains when he speaks, the same power that can calm a raging sea, lives in us, lives in us, lives in us. Promises are true in His strength. There is nothing we can do. Yes, we know there are greater things in store. We will not be overtaken. We will not be overcome. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave. The same power that commands the dead to wait. in us the same power that moves mountains when he speaks the same power that can calm a raging sea lives in us lives in us he lives in us lives in us greater is he that is living in me he's conquered our enemy no power of darkness no weapon prevails we stand here in victory oh greater is he that is living in me he's conquered our enemy power of darkness, no weapon prevails, we stand here in victory, oh, in victory. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave, the same power that commands the dead to wake, lives in us in us the same power that moves mountains when he speaks the same power that can calm a raging sea lives in us lives in us lives in us lives in us yes amen Amen. We know that his power is in us, right? Yeah, well, I thought it was. not so sure this morning. So look, in the book of Daniel, if you grew up in Sunday school like I did, you visited the book of Daniel at least once a month in children's Sunday school, right? Because you need to learn about Daniel and the lion's den, and you need to learn about them being taken off to Babylon, and you need to learn about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego going into the fiery furnace, right? Well, here in the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
I love what happens after they come out of the fire. Um, when Nebuchadnezzar realizes that this is a pretty amazing thing that's gone down. Nebuchadnezzar approaches the door to the, fir- the blazing fire, and he calls out, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, you servants of the Most High God. Already he's recognizing the Most High God. He says, come out. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come out of the fire, and when the satraps and the precepts and the governors and all those people that wanted them thrown in there gathered around, they saw that the fire had no effect on their bodies of these men. Not a hair on their heads was singed, and their robes were unaffected, and there was no smell of fire on them. So it says that they were unaffected by the fire and by this experience, but don't you know, in their hearts, they were affected. Because anytime we see God's faithfulness happening in our lives, there is an effect. And it may not show up on the outside. It may not show up in us anything that goes on with our homes, our families, our jobs. But on the inside, we know that God has been at work. And we know that he has been faithfully providing and faithfully serving and faithfully delivering us from whatever we're going through. Then Nebuchadnezzar says, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angels and rescued his servants who trusted him. So not only does Nebuchadnezzar recognize that God is the most high God and that he's worthy to be praised, he also recognized the trust and the faith that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had in their God. And that is where God gets the glory. See, God doesn't deliver us through things for our sake. He delivers us through things for his glory and for his reputation. And to see and prove to other people that he can be trusted in whatever happens. Let's thank him and celebrate that this morning as we sing this song that's based so heavily on this amazing story of God's deliverance and faithfulness. Should I ever 
so much for your faithfulness. And God, I pray that in every circumstance that we face, that when you deliver us through it, that you receive all the glory and the honor. And that God, we get a little glimpse again of who you are and your faithfulness and your amazing power. That it won't be something that becomes about us, but something that is all about you and what you are doing and what you have done and what you will do in our lives. God, we thank you for your faithfulness over and over again in our lives as we look back through history and as we look back into Scripture. Father, we praise you and thank you for that this morning. It's in the strong name of Jesus I pray. Amen. It's good to see you. Um, welcome to springtime in North Carolina. Um, fear winter's coming, and so I uh, talked with a neighbor yesterday that you know, we, we talked about the, the warmth of the weather, and he said, uh, but there's fog, and that means snow. And I was like, uh, okay. I'm not exactly sure how that goes together, but um, I'll, just, I'll take his word for it. Uh, it's crazy week. Uh, there's been a, a lot of things go on and a lot of things that are going to happen. Um, I don't know that there's a whole lot in life that is settled. Did you feel that way? Um, you know, and I, I don't know exactly where to, to land on some of these things that have gone on this, this past week. Um, it's in some ways frustrating, in some ways it can it can kind of pull down. It can be uh, difficult. 
as we look at the landscape and just think of what could possibly be ahead, um, but might never happen. And we can live in that. Um, there is, we talked last week that the, the clarity of Christ's message depends on you, depends on me. So what the, what the world will see around us will depend on us. And, and what we said in that last week is that the challenge was to grow up in Christ, recognizing that He is in charge. And, the, and I'll tell you that there are times and, and seasons where you know, I, can, I can stand up here and say, yes, I believe that God is in charge, and at the same time, have the same doubts that you might have. You know, is God even paying attention? Or where is He? And, and yet, you know, when we wrestle with those kind of questions and look at the things going on around us and realize the, the mandate of Scripture to do certain things or to be a certain person because of who we are in Christ, it makes a, a difference. And so we are to grow up in Christ. And that doesn't mean that we always act like adults in Christ. Uh, there, there is a, I, I know plenty of adults, including me, that that sometimes don't act the age that we are. Yeah, I can whine with the best of them. Ask Debbie. No, don't ask Debbie. So, so we are called to walk in a manner. Worthy of Christ. And that word walk means life. And we talked about this. The whole thrust of Ephesians is walking in a new life that's different than those that are um, apart from Christ. And so last week, we said there were three things. First, leave the past in the past. And then be open to the renewing or the transformation of our minds. And then the third thing was to acknowledge that we are in process. And that even in that process, we are to be unified in Christ. So those are the things that we talked about last week. And then we go into this week and we have all the things that, um, that have gone on with the election. And, and honestly, it's, it's frustrating because you have elections and protests and, and uh, there'll be court battles. And then we're still dealing with COVID and masks and and we don't know that even this election, how that's going to affect what, what may be um, done with regards to COVID. And so in, in some ways, it feels like being on a, a small boat in the middle of the ocean, in the middle of a hurricane with waves. And somebody's yelling, steady the boat. You're like, yeah, right. Wish I could. But, but there's no way around that. You just kind of work your way through it. Um, I saw a meme. It's an election meme. You've probably seen it or a version of it because not all versions are, this, um, are said this way. But can we put that up? Waiting for election results is like waiting for a grade on a group project. I know I did my part, right? But I'm scared y'all messed it up. <laughs> feel, feel like that? Yeah, in some ways, it really doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on in that, as far as politically, is it still has this feeling of, uh, yuck. And it just doesn't, just doesn't feel good. And, and yet they're, they, um, 
the, the, the reality is that truth hasn't changed. So as much as this has been a, a week where truth may have been argued, um, a lot of things up in the air, real truth hasn't changed. And, and when we think about that, this was a truth that was established long ago by God and revealed in His Word. The truth hasn't changed. And this is that, that's the idea of something past tense with future implications. And so we say, okay, the truth that existed when Jesus walked the earth is the same truth that exists and is relative today and relevant today. So we look at this. Truth hasn't changed. Verse 17 of John 17 says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And then we can jump over to Psalm um, 119, 160. It says, The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. And so if we truly believe what is, what is in Scripture, then we realize the things of this book are true. And we don't have to go another direction with it. We could just say, okay, God's word is true regardless of what segments in our society may say about God's word or may say about God or may not say about God. The, the, validity, is, the validity of God's word is not established because somebody on this earth now says that it is true. It was established in heaven long ago. And we live in a society where there is little resemblance to a God-fearing idea of truth even there. People don't care necessarily about who God is or what He's about, yet the truth of God's Word remains. So I'm confident in a couple of things, and, and at the same time I'm not confident in very much. I can tell you two things that I'm confident in. I'm, I'm confident in you as a church family, but only to the extent that you are following after God. Now, that may sound harsh, but think about that. Just let it soak in for a minute. Only as you reflect God's character. And then I'm confident in our country's leadership. This is where it may get more dicey in your brain, but I'm confident in our country's leadership, but only to the extent that they too recognize God's sovereignty. Because as soon as they start moving, moving away from God's sovereignty, then can they truly be trusted? You know, I've listened to enough news this week, and I tried to stay away from it as much as possible. After the numbers didn't change for like the first 48 hours, I decided that there was no reason for me to listen to newscasters say the same thing over and over again about all the ifs that could possibly take place. And, and both sides are going, but this, and, and the other one's going, but this, and, and they're both laying out things. And what I, what I realized is that very little of it, um, very little of it may be true. There's a whole bunch of it that you go, there's... There's enough skewing of things that make it very difficult to be very confident about a certain thing in our political system. 
And I, I didn't think I'd ever get to the place where I had to worry about whether even an election was true. And I, I realized the hanging chads of 2000. I lived in Florida. Um, so Florida was the... Florida received their, um, their, their due recognition of how they handled an election back then. And, but, I, but I know that states right now are, are dealing with it. Fact is, truth hasn't changed. God's word has not changed. God is still steady and is frustrated or upset or um, depressed or whatever piece of that that you or I may, may feel. The truth is, regardless of that, God is still God and he's still in charge. And so Charles Swindoll put it this way. He says, if you have a leader you can fully trust, you don't have to know the destination to follow. And so if our leader is a political figure or, or a, another figure or, or, or a pastor or something else, and that's who we're trusting in, then we're going to be sadly disappointed because none of us in the room are fully trustworthy. We all have issues because none of us are perfect. We're still in that process of dealing with humanity and our sin nature. But if our leader is God, if our true leader is God and we look to Him, then we don't have to actually know what God has planned in the future for us to distrust Him and, and keep moving forward. You can look through the Old Testament and see evidence that God used evil regimes to accomplish His will for the purpose of drawing His own people back to Him. You remember those stories, right? So, is that a possibility? Sure it is. Does it make it more comfortable for you? Absolutely not. Yeah, I'm not... I, I was, we are kidding around and uh, somewhere the last couple of days, that, you know, if God decides that we should go into exile as a nation, where would we go? You know, we, are they going to take us to China? You know, how's that work? Israel went somewhere. Where are we going to go? You know, and it's, maybe we'll just you know, change the flag. You know, you don't know what that's going to look like, and you can't dwell on that, but God is going to use what He does to draw us to Himself, and we can trust God in that He will accomplish what He wants to accomplish. The second quote up there from Spurgeon, to trust God in the light is nothing but to trust Him in the dark, that is faith. You may go, I feel like we're in the dark. Yeah. Sometimes it feels like that. But I also know that just, just being able to get in a vehicle and come to church to worship, in that kind of freedom, even mass or separation or two services or whatever it happens to be, is much more freedom than some nations get to do ever. Some nations where the Christians get together and they have to meet in small groups and hide so that they don't get put to death. We're not there. We're not even close to there. So we could see all this stuff around us and go, it's persecution. It's yeah, it could get much worse. And so this may for us be considered darkness, 
for a country that is undergoing terrible persecution, they may say, you guys have it easy, it's just barely dim. We have a God that's trustworthy. And it's a God that we can rely and look at His Word and say truth hasn't changed. Truth hasn't changed. So today what I want to do is we're going to go through chapter 5, or at least the beginnings of chapter 5, and I want us to focus our attention again on that idea of walk or a new life in Christ. So look at Ephesians chapter 5. We'll start at verse 1. It says this, Therefore, okay, so because of, and we can go back and say because of what? Because of our life in Christ, that this ought to be a new life. Therefore, be imitators of God. Be mimics of God. As beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You know, there's some things that, that some people never get to experience. Um, my daughter has not been around snow a lot, and my son has not been around snow a lot now that they live in Virginia, a whole lot more. But when they were young, and we lived in Florida, talking to them about walking in the footprints of your father, walking through the snow, was a foreign concept to them. But when I was growing up, if my dad walked out into the driveway or wherever it was, what I would do as a child is I would attempt to walk in his footprints for a couple reasons. One, it was a tried and true trail which I could follow. I could follow dad in what he was doing. But the other part is, if I stepped in his footprints, then my legs weren't covered in snow and I would stay dry. It would be fairly safe for me. And the, the last thing is, it was always a, a comfort to know that his footprint which means I didn't have to fit it exactly. His footprint was always bigger than my footprint. So I could step into it with some margin. And it, and it, was, it was great. And so when we look at this, this passage where it talks about God and what it means to, to follow Him, we're talking about and imitating Him. We're talking about walking in those footsteps, walking in those footprints. So the first point in your outline this morning is to step carefully. It says, look, be imitators of God as beloved children. So it's that, that be an imitator, look like. Now I want to show you a couple pictures, some Halloween pictures. The first one, um, can you tell who that is? Willie and some Oompa Loompas, right? And, um, and I don't even know how you, with the, with the one on the far left, I don't even know how you walk the streets and collect candy in that. But it's a whole new thing. But then this is a, a current one. It's a set of twins. I just, thought that, I, mean, I just thought that was hilarious. But when we talk about imitating, it means look like, but you're taking on more than just the physical appearance. You can take that off the screen because I... I can't look at that too long. It's, it's to, to look like, be, be imitators. God sets the example for us 
And he sets the example because he wants us as loved ones to step into those spaces. To step in where he's already stepped. God set the example. Uh, another way to put it, Jesus put it in, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. says, if you then, who are evil... Now catch that, who are evil, it means to be imperfect, flawed, sinful. Those of you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? So God says, God gives good things to His kids. And you kind of follow that example by wanting to give good things to your kids and and maybe that was that's some of the issue that's even going on now is when, when my, my kids are in their 20s and early 30s at this point, did I as a parent give too much to my kids to make them very comfortable and somewhat entitled and maybe even feeling that idea of privilege because just gave it to them. They didn't have to work as hard as the generation before. And I didn't have to work as hard as the generation before me either, by the way. And I'm guessing my dad didn't work as hard as the generation before him. Because we always want to make it easier, nicer, more, more comfortable for our kids as we move forward. And sometimes that, that may create the, the idea of injustice in the middle of that. And so we look at this and say, okay, a father that gives good things, and we follow after God's example to give good things. But Paul qualifies this in verse 2. He says, And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So what, qual what characterizes those footprints? If we look at that and we say, God, okay, here are your footprints. What those footprints look like and they look like unselfish sacrifice don't they we look at scripture it's unselfish sacrifice it's a it's a go first mentality my dad didn't send me out into the yard to walk in the snow so that he could follow me i followed him so he was willing to take the sacrifice for me so that i would have it easier moving forward to go first mentality. And so I would imitate the pattern. And if we imitate the pattern of the author of truth, then we live for the glory of God. And it pleases God. It brings Him honor and glory. So if we continue in this, and Paul begins to describe the characteristics of walking outside those footprints. See, outside of the footprints... There is, there's a, a degree of danger. I don't know if that's going to hold. Now, we, we would do the same thing if we walked out on a pond that was ice-covered. Because we would walk and we'd follow somebody, but we would follow at a distance because if they went through, we weren't continuing. And we, I guess we'd go get them. But we would always, always you know, listen for crack, those cracks and, and those kind of things, and we would follow somebody. And so it kept us... From, from danger. And so if we talk about the footprints of God that we're supposed to follow in, in the example of, we can look and say, okay, what does it mean to be outside of those footprints? Well, here it is in verse 3. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness, 
must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. So remember where Paul is, to whom Paul is writing this. He's writing it to an Ephesian church that is in the center of a, a society that does not love God and does not see God as even valuable. He's also writing to a group of people in the center where a, a certain philosophy is grounded. And so what he's saying is you have this philosophy, you have this worldview that surrounds you, and it is filled with these things, but hey, don't walk in those. Don't follow that pattern. If you look at the pattern, make sure that you're following the correct pattern where truth is. Sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. What he's saying is, don't do those things. We're not going to get into a lot of definition with this. It says also in verse 4, Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. You see, we may, we may look at those two verses and go, I don't have an issue with sexual immorality. Now, I'm not going to say that doesn't exist in the church. There's plenty of stories where, where somebody in the church has had an affair with somebody else in the church. I mean, you've heard the stories of, of that even happening within a church staff. So, so sexual immorality is a real thing. And we could go down the list. Impurity is the sa same kind of idea or covetousness, wanting what somebody else has. But then we move a little further in that and say, let no filthiness nor foolish talk nor crude joking. That becomes very much a whole lot easier for us to, to recognize our, around us. Just this slightly off-color way of putting things that can skew the, the message or the clarity about who Christ is found among His kids. See, it's not just those that don't have a relationship with Christ that cannot control their tongues or their minds. We're in process of growing and transforming. And that goes for all of us. When I was growing up, I struggled with some of that. Now, I wasn't a Christian, so, so I, I didn't think a whole lot about it. But I think back to, to when that started and, and how my language developed between um, the time I was in probably fourth grade to the time I was in college. And I could, I could cuss the wallpaper off a wall and, and think nothing of it. But now, it's bothersome. I can, but I'm not going to. Because the idea behind that is Christ has brought a transforming work to my mind that when I hit my thumb with, with a hammer, which does occasionally take place, when that happens, my, immediately, my immediate thought are not the same words that I had when I was back in high school. It's a different set. Now, do I get mad? Yeah, because it hurt. But the vocabulary has changed. 
because there's new life in Christ. And so we go through this, and it, it just this this idea of being out of place, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. That word out of place means it just doesn't fit anymore. I've got clothes that don't fit anymore. And I'm guessing most of us have, have fought those battles along the way, and we have clothes that don't fit. The same thing is these things that, that Paul lists as stepping outside the footprint of God, ought not fit anymore. They should feel uncomfortable. And if they don't feel uncomfortable, then how is your walk with Christ? How is that new life? Second thing is we need to step deliberately. Why are those things that are outside the footprint of God, why are they, um, why do they push back on the image of Christ? Look at the list. It's because they are driven by selfishness and pride. It's, it's about what I want, isn't it? That's part of the equation. It's also a pursuit of fitting in to what characterizes the world. If I'm around a lot of people that are coarsely joking, we'll just use that as an example, I may never say anything. In fact, I may laugh along with it just because I want to fit in with that particular group. And so I'll go along with it instead of saying, putting on the brakes and saying, I'm not going to do that because I am in Christ. It doesn't mean that you've defriended anybody. It just means that you're not going to participate in something that is not honoring to God. It's a pursuit of fitting into what characterizes the world. And it's, in the bottom line, it's a pursuit of what God calls sin. And so we want to avoid those things if we're going to walk in what God asks us to walk in. Look at verse 5. It says, for you, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who practices sexual, sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is an idolater, replacing God as king, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. So we look at that, it's, that, that idea of idolater has to do with giving king status to someone or something that is not. It's practically replacing God and what he thinks about. We can't get to the place where we ignore what God says in his word. Because God does not grade on a curve. Look at, look at what it says, and, and Paul's pretty, pretty clear here. They will have no part in the kingdom of Christ and God. I mean, that's a stout statement for Paul to make to a group of people that are surrounded by idolaters. It's the equivalent of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. It's the equivalent of saying, God, I'm not going to trust you. I'm going to trust something else. And so we move toward the coarse joking or being selfish or prideful or wanting to be like the world in, in the idea that if we please those things over here, then I'll be okay when the truth is I may think I'm okay, but I've turned my back on God.
In fact, some are hurting the cause of Christ, even on social media, by being abrasive enough by what is said or by what is inferred. In so doing, we are doing exactly what we detest. Verse 6, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners, or do not partake with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light. So it's not that Paul's going... You know, here's a list of things that you ought not do. What Paul's coming to is he's saying, here's a list or here's the things that you ought to do because you're walking in the footprints of God. Here's the things you ought to do. Here's a, here are the things you ought to avoid. But it's because you want to walk in Christ because you have a new life in Christ. It's not because you just want to check the boxes of do's and don'ts so that God will be satisfied and you'll feel secure. Because checking all the boxes will not get you where you want to go. Checking all the boxes will not secure your place in heaven. We've become proficient at words that placate our own desires while justifying our actions as license. Now let let me rephrase that. We talk to ourselves in ways to justify what we want. And we say, if I can talk myself into this, it must be okay. And so we'll say, I do this because. And I, and I, think, it's, I think it's all right. Or even going so far as to say, God told me that I could disobey His Word. It'd be all right. Or that God just wants me to be happy. How many times have you heard that? There is no place, and and maybe you can show it to me, where in the Bible is, do you find justification for disobedience just because it fits your narrative or your set of wants? We have to step deliberately. So we step carefully, we step deliberately. Third thing is we step faithfully. But now you are in the light, in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Verse 9 says, For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful work, works of darkness, but instead expose them. So we just stop there. God desires us to live in a new way of living that Paul describes affects every single area of our life. It's not that God wants to be a a killjoy. God wants you to experience true freedom. You know, I could go a whole lot faster stepping into my dad's footprints in the snow than I could walking away from those and creating my own. I could go a whole lot faster and a whole lot easier. It was much more um, advantageous to do that um, Deb and I have gotten in this somewhat of a pattern. 
um, uh, in the mornings, we, one of the things that we like is avocado toast. You go, yeah. I didn't like avocados. I didn't like that because it was green and it reminded me of a, a movie out of the 70s. We'll just, and um, I just couldn't bring myself, and those of you are going, what? Um, I just couldn't bring myself to eat it. And when we were at our last church, some friends uh, had us over and they fixed some homemade guacamole. And it's like, hey, this stuff is good. And so we started messing with um, avocado toast in the morning. And so I'll make up this thing. I found this recipe somewhere and, and slap it on some good for you bread. And so, you know, that covers a multitude of seven grain stuff. And, and so we would, we would do that. But the, we would buy avocados, and you have to be very careful with those. Um, when, when to cut it, when not to cut it, and all that kind of stuff. So I cut into one the other day, and the outside looked just fine. It looked like every other avocado on the counter. But when I opened it, it was nothing but rotten old brown gook. It's like, we can't eat that. So I had to slap on about half a pound of butter to make that bread taste good. It, you know, it was just, it was one of those things. And, and that, that the inside was terrible. The outside looked good, but the inside looked terrible. And, and isn't that what Jesus talked about with the Pharisees? Now, he didn't always do this, but he, he did call them a brood of vipers, didn't he? He did call them whitewashed tombs. He um, equated them with children of the devil. And it, and it wasn't because... It wasn't because they couldn't follow religious rules. It was because the insides didn't match the outsides. There was an, an inner rottenness that, that was beginning to come out as Jesus pushed their buttons a little bit about what it meant to follow God. I have on the shelf in my garage a box, and it's marked, and it says, Grandma's Christmas Tree. Now, when last time we went to a, a local store, we saw one of these, and I thought, I've got one. It's a ceramic Christmas tree with hills, holes drilled in it and little semi-clear things with different colors. You know what I'm talking about? You plug it in, it's got the light bulb inside, all that kind of stuff. And um, I started thinking about that related to this. If we are to be light, then one of the best things we can possibly do is to make sure the holes aren't clogged. To show who Jesus is to those around us. And in a time where things are so uncertain and, and depressing and tough, it becomes that much harder to keep the, the holes unclogged. I'm having a hard time. We look at God's truth and observe God's truth he gets glory. We need to step into that. Be diligent in what God calls us to do and deliberate or faithful in stepping into the rhythm of God. Yeah, I was just glad when my dad stepped through the snow that he didn't take a step here and then jump over there out of my reach. He stepped where I could step. God steps where we can step. Because he understands us. And he asks us to walk in truth. Walk in this new way of life. To step faithfully and deliberately.
interesting that Paul takes these general concepts of walking and honoring Christ. If you look at the rest of the, the chapter and into verse into chapter 6, you realize that he takes it from these general principles of walking as a person within the church under Christ as the head, and he moves it into the home. He starts talking about wives and husbands, and employees and employers, children and parents. He, he starts stepping into and in addressing things that if we were to look and say, what does it mean to sacrificially love and walk as Christ did? He starts moving into places where it's harder to do that. It's harder to live out your Christian life at home sometimes than it is to do it at church. Because they see us. They know us better than anyone. Well, you get on Sunday morning, when we get all together, it's good. And when we get all together again on November 22nd, it'll be good. But we're still called to live out our Christian walk, both here and at home. Here and our job. See, that's the idea that you can't separate this new way of living from actually living. You can't say my new way of living is... When I'm at church, now my new way of living ought to be just like everywhere. It's not compartmentalized. Look what it says in verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but wise. Verse 16, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, we sometimes read that, and, and we'll, we'll read it like um, that, that idea of making the best use of our time, or it's, we, we read it in a way that it reflects time management. We say, okay, so if I'm going to manage my time, it ought to look like this. And, and that's really not exactly what Paul is talking about here. It's not about the number of hours within your waking, waking time. It's really about the opportunities that God gives you. And so making the most of your time has to do with the opportunities. So what opportunities is he giving you where you're at? And we, we've said, you know, my opportunities have been terrible because of Zoom calls. Your opportunities still exist. God has opened up a, another whole room for us to, to dwell in, to, to move in, in the middle of COVID and election stuff that we would, have, we would not have had otherwise. And allowing us to step into that. So if that is where the opportunity is, how are we making the most use of our time in, the, in relation to bringing glory to God? That begs the question, where have I not? Have I spent the last eight months complaining about what, not, what is not instead of looking and asking God what is? We have all played that game at some point. Yet God will continue to open up opportunities 
the last song that the band and the praise team did this morning, the situation wasn't all that great. There's another in the fire. That wasn't like hang out in my house and no masks and all that kind of stuff. That was a, a trial of immense proportion. It was an opportunity to show God. And we have that kind of idea before us this morning. Because the days are evil. Yet God is in control. So we must remind, our, remind each other of the truth of God's Word, and the truth hasn't changed. So let me, let me ask you some, some questions or maybe make some statements. Um, Ebenezer Baptist Church exists to develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ who impact the world. What in the world does that mean? See, the impact of our lives is related to the authenticity of our walk. And so I'm going to ask you to consider three things. The first one is a call to responsiveness. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Are you listening to God or are you listening to Fox? Or CNN or MSNBC or somebody else? Who are you listening to? Call to responsiveness, a sensitivity to the Spirit. Second thing is a call to repentance. To turn away from things of the world and, a turn, and turning to God. The last thing is a call to restoration. You see, when the, when the young man returned as a, as a prodigal, returned back to his home and his dad welcomed him, by running to him and putting his arms around him and kissing him and bringing him back in and throwing the party. He just came back. And there were a lot of things given to him, but there was still a degree at which he needed to deal with the guilt and shame of being in the places that he had been and what he had done. So his restoration hadn't completely taken place, although the position of being son in the home was, was settled. The way he dealt with that restoration or the way he dealt with that repentance still was a process. And some of us, we said, we want to turn to you, God, but we're still in the process of being restored to where we need to be. It's a Psalm 51 idea. God, return to me the joy of my salvation. See, truth has not changed. Truth hasn't changed. And if we're going to walk in a new way of living because of who God is and what He has done for us, then we step in and say, God, help me to be responsive and restored to You. Let's pray. Father, we come before You this morning. And God, honestly, it's been a frustrating week in a lot of ways. We can get frustrated with politics. We can get frustrated with news. And Father, even in the church, we can get frustrated with one another. Father, you call us to live a different way. 
a way that recognizes truth for truth, a way that recognizes you as God. And so, Father, as we consider responding to you and repenting from where we have failed, God, we ask that you would restore us. We ask that you would bring that renovation in our lives that, that has this, not just this outward appearance of being fixed, but, but God, as you, as you kind of tear out the outer, outer layer, that our inside would, would shine. And Father, our life would be in some ways so full of holes that the light that lives within us would be seen by those around us. So God, work in us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I'm going to ask you to stand, but the altar is open if you would like to come and talk to God for a few minutes. If you want to receive Christ as Savior and you've never done that, I want to give you that opportunity as well this morning. I'll be at the front. Pastor Jeremiah is here. Pastor Isaiah is here. And we'd love to talk to you about what it means to follow Christ and to give your life to Him. So as God leads you, you come. today than we did yesterday and my guess is we'll need them more next week and in coming weeks there's always a need for for God 
And so I want to encourage you to trust him because he's trustworthy. I'm glad you're here this morning. Um, I failed to mention earlier that if you are a guest with us this morning or hadn't been here in a while, if you would take one of the Connect cards in the pew, in the, the back of the seat in front of you, if you would take that and fill it out, um, we've got a gift, gift for you in the back. Uh, we'd love to get to know you a little bit more. Um, I'm going to ask Hope if she would come. Uh, she had a couple words. She's uh, part of our personnel team, and um, she was going to share a couple of things this morning. No. <laughs> well, you can talk out loud, because talking silently would be futile. If you want to. Can I have a few faithful gentlemen to come um, and bring the pastor's boxes down or here for me, please? Maybe. Thank you. Or women. Um, good morning. Uh, I, first of all, wanted to remind everybody that last month was uh, Pastor Appreciation uh, Month. And um, on behalf of the personnel team, um, wanted to take this opportunity to present uh, the uh, boxes to our pastor. So could Pastor Wayne and Pastor Isaiah and Pastor Jeremiah and Pastor Bob please come and join me up front? Um, this has been as we all know, such a weird, strange year for our world. And um, these gentlemen have been so faithful at keeping our church family connected during this whole time. Um, praying for us and um, being faithful to reach out to our children and our youth and our adults and senior adults. and. Um, in every facet and so um, we just wanted to use this time to, to thank you all for everything that you've done for for praying for us for being there for us and um, we just hope that this is just a little bit of what we can offer you from us so thank you Don't get All the right. prophets confused. I know, sorry. Yeah. So anyway, I want to thank you. Should we let me pray you out or is that can I do that? You can do that. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, when when Hope's finished, um, uh, she'll pray. Remember the reception at three o'clock this afternoon. Um, and guys, don't open these boxes because we got to do it again in the next. Yeah. So this was just formality. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and pray. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, God, you are just so faithful to us. I just pray that we can be faithful to you, Lord. I just thank you so much for uh, the gentlemen that you have given to us and uh, for uh, those, even Pastor Isaiah, on, on his next uh, journey, Lord. Um, I just um, I lift him up and I lift um, these gentlemen up, Lord, as they serve you. I just thank you so much for um, their willingness to just want to, to please you in all they do. I just pray for a good week, uh, a better week, and... Um, we just thank you for 
um, all that you do, Lord, and, and your blessings. We give you all the praise. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. We'll see you at 3 or Wednesday night.